G'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I have a huge announcement to make. Now as you all know, I've been working on my brand new book called Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. And I am super pumped to announce that it is now live on my website. It is live on Amazon. So please jump over to readgoosens.com forward slash books and grab a copy today. All proceeds from the sale of this book goes to charity. So remember to jump over to read goosens.com forward slash books and get your hands on one today. Now back into the show. You have to invest in yourself. That's where it starts. You have to invest in the intellectual capital, whether it be listening to podcasts, which you're already doing, reading books, information in will turn into something better coming out sooner or later and then invest in your network. And so we just, just discussed that, but it's all about being surrounding yourself with like-minded people that will that are rooting for your success as much as you are rooting for theirs. That's the big key right there. And then the third is invest in assets, which that's what we're doing when we're investing in real estate. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's guide to U.S. real estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. G'day guys, and welcome back to the show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Paul Thompson. Paul has a very similar story to mine, and in 2015, Paul wanted out of his corporate life. His J-O-B had become a prison cell. Uh, Sounds pretty familiar, right? And Paul decided to start buying rental properties in order to build passive income and break the chains of corporate America. He was so successful in the first 18 months of doing that that he acquired 20 deals. Since then, he now has over 24 properties in his portfolio and has done all of it without using any bank financing, which is pretty incredible. Now he teaches others how to raise money from regular people in order to invest in their deals and to grow a cash flowing portfolio. In 
addition to coaching others and still investing himself, Paul hosts a really new podcast to educate others called Ready Investor One, where he offers tips, hacks, tricks, and advice, and a lot, lot more for anyone interested in creating opportunities for passive income. Level up your life through investing in real estate. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show, but enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Paul. Welcome to the show. How are you today, mate? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. My pleasure. Um, before we dive into the nuts and bolts of, of, of who you are and what makes you tick, you want to rewind the clock and uh, let's uh, tell me what you did for, for money as a kid. So the first thing that I remember actually having a proper job where I earned some sort of a paycheck was I, I worked at a barbecue place, uh, basically just uh, uh, scrubbed the pots and uh, they, they wouldn't let me fuss with the, any of the meat. You know, I live in the South, so that's kind of a precious and dear uh, process that you have to give many years of training before they will relinquish that. And I, it wasn't to me, but I would I would fry okra in the fryer and um, do the cash register and whatnot. And the reason I got that job was because I had just gotten my driver's license at 16 and I barely scratched somebody's I was at a parking lot and I scratched somebody's car and it was a very small deal, but they made a big deal about it and they uh, wanted a thousand dollars to fix it. And our deductible was wow. two fifty. I didn't have two fifty, So I had to go earn two fifty real quick. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you're a dish pig. I was, that's a good word for it. <laughs> a dishy. But I love it. I love those stories because I actually, I was in a similar scenario to you. Uh, I was doing something stupid, but with cars and it was, I was, a, I was probably the same age, 15, 16. Uh, and I was already working. So it, was, it wasn't an issue, but I, I did something to my parents' car and it ended up costing me something where like $1,500, $2,000. And I spent all summer having to pay them back for, uh, for the damage that I did to their car, it was it was actually at a bowling alley. So, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> but but similar story because it was it was sort of forced me to be like, well, you you did the you did this, it's your fault, you know, you got to go pay for it. So um so so awesome stuff. But mate, walk us through your journey. Like you, we, I spoke in the introduction a little bit about that you you've been in corporate America. What what did you go to university for? Um, and how did you get to the point where you are today, where you just got so sick and tired of the corporate job that you needed to make a change? Yeah, it's a great question because all of us will relate to something about this where uh, I, I followed the traditional American advice that baby boomers give their Gen X kids. And probably we as Gen Xers were probably giving our, um, or at least I'm a Gen Xer, and that we give our kids is you have to go to college. And so I was always told, go to college and get a job. And I did that. And then I had no more plans. So I was 22 years old. I got a degree in engineering. I got a job in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, which is where I still am. And there I was. <laughs> um, not really all that fulfilled by the work I was doing, and but didn't know any anything else to do. And so I just kind of figured out how to make the corporate work, life work. And I did that for 15 years, you know, met my wife later on, uh, you know, got married, had kids, got the mortgage, all the traditional things that we all do. But all along, just thinking that I really felt like I was capable of doing more than that. And I was, but for lack of a better idea, I just climbed the corporate ladder. I got in the middle management and about 15 years into it, I thought, man, I am just, my ladder is on the wrong wall. I, <laughs> and I always thought about going and doing something else or starting my own thing, but I didn't have an idea. I didn't, I didn't, 
I wasn't Mark Zuckerberg. I didn't have this like brilliant uh, idea to go launch some uh, social network. So I didn't know what to do. And it, it kind of dawned on me that, you know, I've been thinking about real estate and, but I, you know, the, they always say that the best time to, to, to plant a tree was 40 years ago. And the second best time is to do it right now. And that's very much the case with real estate. Yeah. Stop, you know, stop waiting so long. It's, it, there, there's never the right time. You have to go out and do it. And I figured out that, that making, that doing nothing is still a choice. And I wasn't in the game. I wasn't trying to create any sort of other passive income other than just a little bit of retirement income or retirement savings that I had. So I, and, and the, the, the watershed moment for me was when I, it was a summer vacation and I wanted to stay longer after a week, but I couldn't because I had to go back to work. My, my wife is a stay at home mom. I, my kids were out of school for summer break and we had the money to stay longer if we wanted to, but nope, that was not an option. I shut it down because what was more important in our lives is we had made job more important than life. And that's backwards. I think we live in a world now where we can make our life more important and then figure out a way to make money so that we can sustain our life. Mate, that's so well said. Um, before I dive into those, all those comments you just made, what engineer are you? Because I'm also, I'm a structural engineer. I'm are you? Yeah, engineer. so it's funny. The way I chose my engineering degree was I went to school. Uh, I was good at math and science. So I went to the University of Arkansas and I was doing the tour and they had seven disciplines at the time. And they had, they had uh, industrial, they had chemical, they had mechanical, and one of them was computer. And the other ones, I said, well, I don't want to do chemical. I, I hate chemistry, but I like the other things about math and science. Um, I don't know what these other ones are. Computers sound cool, so I'll go, I'll go down that, that, that aisle. And that's how I chose my degree. And the rest of my, the path for the next 15, 17 years while I was in corporate America was based on that one decision that computers are cool. Yep. Well, quick, quick question, just because we, we are engineers. And, and, uh -huh. and by the way, I've had, you know, I've interviewed 150 entrepreneurs on this show in the last two and a half years. Engineers are by far the, or ex-engineers are by far the, the the largest majority of people I have on this show who who either make the, the transition into real estate. And I just think it's that the analytical brain that we all have, that mm -hmm. very black and white, like the numbers work, or they don't work. You know, there's there's no gray, and I've had to learn how to, to develop some gray. But but the question I wanted to ask you is before you dive into it is, did you enjoy study engineering? Because I know I certainly really enjoyed it, but I, when I got into corporate world, it was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be sitting in this cubicle for the next 40 years of my life. That, this is it. You know, I, yeah. I enjoyed doing my thesis. I enjoyed, you know, having time, you know, studying on my own time, you know, like going mm -hmm. to class and just doing my, it, it helped me a lot. You know, people say go to college and back to your, 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 point, your point about corporate America, go to college, but college also taught me a lot of things about life, you know, and how to, hustle and how to make sure you get that exam done and you know yeah. prepping for the exam and it's all on your your shoulders right you know you got no one else there with a yardstick you know going hurry up you better do 10 hours of study for this exam so did, did you enjoy any aspects of, of college specifically to engineering yeah i liked school i i enjoyed if someone gives me a path to follow and they say do xyz and you'll get this result i you know like like any good engineer you you figure out the problem and you take the steps. And also I did enjoy learning more about how the, the science behind how the world works. That was certainly interesting, but I used so little of that in, in my actual job, <laughs> in my actual job that I, I wasn't much of an engineer, especially once I became a, uh, I, I went to middle management about six years into my career. I went into management, I guess, six years into my career. And 
the the rest of it, I, I don't know that that's where you get into more of the politics and you got to kind of play the game and it, it, there's, there's more income there, which is why a lot of people follow that path. And it turns out if you are a good engineer, it means you're probably not a good manager. There are very few engineers <laughs> that make good managers. Oh, I, I, I amended that because I remember meeting a lot of engineers who are you know, some of the smartest people I've ever met, but they could not hold a room, right? They couldn't mm. hold a meeting or you know, run a business. And it's, it's, it's very interesting seeing the people who are at the top of engineering uh, may not necessarily, as you just said, be the best engineers, but, um, but very, very interesting. Um, but, but talk to me a little bit more about this, the dichotomy that you had with, um, you know, struggling with this, you know, you're on vacation, you had to go back to work, right? A lot of people have that same feeling. So was there one, was it that particular moment or was it a buildup of resentment over time that you think, geez, I've got to do more with my life than just mm-hmm. sit in this cubicle or, you know, log hours and, and, and something that you said that we're, we're trained to take work above life and, and trying to flip that on its head now and be life above work. I think it's really, really important. Do you want to, do you want to talk to any of that point? Sure. It was is definitely a culmination over time. It, it, I don't think for anybody, you just have one actual light bulb moment. The things kind of build up over time. And, but there was that, that experience for me that I, for me is I, I never want to have to ask permission to spend more time with my family. Uh, I, I want to be in control of my life enough that that is a choice that I make. And, and, I, and I certainly still do things where I go and do a work conference or I, I work or I you know, do a podcast where I am not spending time with my family. But I, it's, it's a choice that I make and I'm completely in charge. And if I want to take an extended vacation, then I, then I do. And so that is, I, I, I'm very much a believer in leading a life by design, not by default. And you just literally took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> and it's, this, <laughs> it's, it's the default lifestyle that we all follow. I right. say all of us, but most of us follow because that's what the generally the general advice to us is. And it's usually well-intended. You know, people want you to be successful, the people around you, your, your, your parents, your teachers. But going through those paths, the traditional advice, at least here in the U.S., is, is training you to be an order taker. You you yep. You... It, it's very across the western world right it's, it's i think so just, yeah yeah like in australia it's the same thing go to college get a job blah 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 blah. like the same corporate bs yeah. you know <laughs> and so. other cultures it actually might be um even more so especially in asian cultures where mm-hmm. it, there's very much a group mentality not an individualistic like the u.s is and you, just over the you're told to to follow directions follow the hierarchy and we live in a in a world that is changing and if you're doing work that can be replicated by a machine uh, or a robot or an AI, then you're setting yourself up to be, to be not relevant anymore. If you have to be able to to think and use the intellectual capital, capital, the gray matter between your ears, it's, it's the knowledge economy. Now It, it is the ability to offer a service to somebody else based on what you know how to do versus versus I'll, I'll follow this recipe because someone gave it to me and then I'll replicate it sooner or later. Someone's going to figure out how to automate that recipe so that y- you aren't required anymore. So you got to figure out how to, how to create, be the, be the person who creates recipes versus the, the person who fulfills recipes. 
Mm-hmm. No, I, uh, look, the life by design, you, you, I literally just took the words out of my mouth because that's the whole philosophy of what I live. You know, the show's based about, my, what my business is based about, it's about taking control of your time and building systems in and around your business in order so you can have that control and get your most valuable asset, in my, my opinion, is your time back, right? Rather than follow the recipes, as, as you're just saying. But I think the other thing, intellectual capa- uh, capital um, is hugely important and, and, un- and not underestimating how much capital we do have as human beings. And, and you know, a lot of people think, well, I've, got, I've gone to university for four years, I have to use it. Uh, you know, I have to use this c- career, I have to use this de- you know, degree because I'm not, that's what I was told to do, right? And, and as you said, it's sort of like we're just putting one foot in front of the other and it's not like thinking independently and we're, we're all just sheep following the, you know, the, 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 the herder to wherever the hell we're supposed to be going. And I think now more than ever, in 2018, over the last sort of 10 years, as disruption happens across the world, as you just said about AI, about you know automation, we have to, we as people need to think for ourselves, and we get so caught up in what everyone else is telling us that we kind of lose sight of that. So it's it's very interesting, and you know I could talk to you all day about just this topic, but it's uh it's it's something that I think a lot of people struggle with understanding how do I take that first step. So with that being said. How did you take your first step and what did the journey look like for you before you actually walked into your boss's office and said, mate, I'm, uh, I made a decision, I'm out of here? Well, it's interesting. I did a ton of research. I, but, and not like the analysis paralysis kind of research. I went in with a purpose and it was probably only a few months, but I went and learned everything that I could. And as soon as I would learn something, then I would put it into practice. And so I learned how to do the, the, what bigger pockets refers to as the burr strategy, what I refer to as the buy and refi. This idea is you buy with either cash or private funds, and then you turn around and refinance it into institutional debt. Um, and I did that with my very first property is I bought it with a private lender that I found locally here in Arkansas. And then I put a little bit of my own money into it and then I rented it. I turned around and refied it with traditional bank financing. And then as a result, I had a property to for which I was into for net nothing. And I only bought it for thirty. I put ten into it, and I refied it, and it rents for six fifty. It's like a three bedroom, one bath, single family house in in, in, Little, in Little Rock, and that's all there was to it. And I, I, after after it was done, um, my mortgage on the property is like, you know two fifty, and my um, rent is six fifty, and it's already been fixed up, and so it's in pretty good shape. And I thought, okay, you know, that, that was um, a, a good proof of concept. Now I have since then, I tend to not buy properties in quite that low low income of a neighborhood, but it was also a very good ex- um, learning experience for me. So I learned something and I would apply it. And then I would go to another conference or read another book or listen to another podcast. And I would take some actionable piece of nugget, some wisdom and put it to work. And it was always just, just adding a little bit more to my talent stack, as I heard people refer to it as, is just your intellectual capital. What do you know? And then if you don't ever apply it, then what's the point in learning anything, right? You have to take, learn something, put it to the test, see if it works or not. And even if it doesn't work, it's not a failure. That's just a trial. I refer to those as trials. And I definitely had some trials. Not everything worked perfectly. I would, I would put something out there, see if it worked. Okay, that worked or didn't work. Adjust and go on. And I just did that repeatedly. And that's what I continue to do is I'm just, I kind of think of myself as a scientist. I'm figuring out how to be a, um, 
an entrepreneur, but I'm taking a very scientific approach to it. That's, 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 that's incredible. And I think you summarize it really, really well that, that it's the scientific approach on which you approach anything, right? You go learn it, you put it into place, learn it, put it into place, learn it, put it into place. That's what we have to keep doing. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk about is how much learning you did do and, and the juggling of the job at the same time, yeah. because that's what I, I've been in that situation. A lot of people listening to this show would have been in that situation where they're like, okay, I've still got to keep the bills paid. I'm going yep. to go start investing. What, how, how long was that journey? Because that's, that's what people, and, and, and then the second part of that question is, when did you know it was, okay, I've got to, make, I've got to go full-time, otherwise I'm, I'm losing money? That's a good question. So uh, for me, it was three years, but my plan was a five-year plan. So I started off and I mapped it all out, and I wanted it to be a five-year plan for me to escape the day job. Well, three years into it, about a year ago, this time of year, a year ago, it was, uh, I actually was laid off. So, I, and what's funny is I had my uh, severance, not severance, but my um, resignation letter typed up from three years. When I started investing real, about my first property, I, I pre-wrote my, pres- my resignation letter. And as always, very polite, but I, there was a sense of power in having that in my back pocket. Um, and so I was going to make it a point to bring that manifest that into reality so that I could comfortably go and do that. Well, the, they, they, they got to me before I got to them, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was planning on, uh, do, resigning in January of 2018 and I was laid off in November uh, of 2017. So it was a company went under or something, but no, they, they're still a viable company now, but they, they were having trouble. And so they were doing a lot of reduction of forces or rifts. And in fact, a few weeks prior to that, I was walking around as the director, you know, giving out, uh, you know, pink slips, which is never a fun job. And, and then unbeknownst to me, <laughs> right, two weeks later. So it's what, what they refer to as the, uh, as like the, um, uh, uh, what is it called? The Russian, uh, um, suicide or something. Russian, Russian, yeah, Russian roulette. roulette. Yeah. Basically yep, they, yep. you, you, um, you go and you know, knock knock off somebody else, and then as soon as you're done, they turn around and get you. So <laughs> just start eating each other, right? right. Just ah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting. You bring up a very good point. Is that it goes back to what we're talking about earlier about this whole mindset of we need to follow the sheep and follow the leader and do this do this job and blah blah blah. But and everyone thinks that's safe, right? This word safe, but mm. you're a prime example of just how unsafe your job is, really. And and a lot of people got to ask themselves that and and say, well. Oh, it's risky to go off and start your own business. Well, not really. Not if you are controlling, you know, whether it be real estate or you're, you're, you're in client services where you have, you know, 10, 15 clients. And if you lose a couple, then that's right. okay. You still got the other, the other ones. Or you have 10 rental properties. You lose one of them. That's okay. In your day job, we have this sort of, you know, call it $80,000, $100,000 line that just goes. And if you lose it like you did, mm-hmm. it goes to nothing. Right, and if you've got no backup, yes, you can go get another job, but you just back up to where you were, and you just keep coasting yes. along in life. And there's no actual, real um, risk. Uh, sorry, but not risk. Um, there's no, there's no actual real protection for your downside. And then so you have to keep exchanging your time for money yep. forever. Right? There's nothing happening in this line. It may go up a little bit every now and then, but it just keep going. You you don't you don't work. That goes to zero. That's right. You know, you've got to keep going. And that's it. Someone was explaining. You know, obviously, that's not someone explaining. Thing. That's how we all know. But it's trying to get that across to people. And I'm sure your friends and family were like, "Oh gosh, what the hell are you doing? Going off and doing this real estate thing?" You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so 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 back to you had the resignation letter in hand. You were actually forced out of the job, which mm-hmm. was 
Awesome. So, had what, what was the portfolio like at that point? I think I mentioned in the beginning. Was it was it twelve or uh, twenty properties? Was that was that? Yeah, correct? I th- I think uh, I I hover around about twenty five single families. That's kind of my my angle. And I'm it, there's no magic number to the number of units you have. It's more about the cash flow that you're producing. And so at this point, I'm trying to to maintain the current amount of cash flow that I have while mitigating and reducing the amount of time it takes me to manage that or the the expenses that it, that it takes to do that. So what I do is I, I'll sell off my least favorite property and buy another property and I'll sell off my lease. So I'm, I'm upgrading my portfolio constantly. And then I'm, I'm certainly always looking for another big deal. Um, I'm, I'm actually working for somebody with somebody from New Zealand who invests here in, in, um, here in Little Rock, and he and I are. It's not, um, it's not a God. What's his name? He's not the Israeli fellow, is he? Yes, yeah, it's Hadar. Yeah. Yeah, Hadar. Yeah, I met him at the. Um, I met him for the first time at uh, Jake and Gino's event when I was. Oh, cool. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Jake. in their mastermind, right? And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I put. I said, "Who, who's not from this country?" And he put his hand up, and we actually went out for a few drinks. He's a really. Awesome He's a really guy. cool guy. Small, he and I have small, kids about the same world. age. Uh, we're about the same age. Um, he, like we are like the, the same version of each other, just on opposite sides of the world. And so he, but you know, and the, he's having trouble making the, uh, about all he can do in New Zealand is flip. So what he's doing is he's investing in cash flow in the U S and which is a lot about what you're talking about in your podcast. Um, and so cash flow is just so prevalent in the Midwest and the Southeast. And so he's niched down to Little Rock and we became friends of bigger pockets and he's been here to the U S um, here, at Little Rock two or three times now. And we always go and have drinks and have a good time. And we're looking for multifamily properties and we're partnering together. And the whole kind of message behind all this is um, working together with your, with your network to find opportunities in uh, a niche. I'm really big about telling people to niche down to, to where you are. And so for my portfolio, I don't need to go real far away from me to find uh, cash flowing properties, whether they be single family, multifamily. And so I'm looking for opportunities to add multifamily to my mix because, I, but I, I'm partnering with somebody like Hadar who is in Jake and Gino's mastermind and has access to resources that I don't get, but I will certainly over time mature be to the point to where I've learned to, I'm going to put it to the test and I'll buy a small multifamily and I'll put it to the test and see how it works. Yep. I don't want to get. I do want to come back to that because I think you you just brought up a really good point about having boots on the ground in your chosen market, and it's mm-hmm. something that I talk a lot about on this show. Because when you're investing from abroad or even interstate, you need that local business partner. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Um, but back to your story. So you, you had tw- you had twenty properties already cash flowing by the time mm-hmm. you had that. By the time you laid off, right? And so was there. You, you talk about a magic number. Was what was the magic number? If if you don't mind me asking. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm full, you, full, to, full disclosure. Um, so yep. for me, five thousand US was what I needed to have passive income to live a very nice, comfortable middle American type 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 income, middle middle of the road. Um, um, income. Uh, Arkansas happens to be a pretty low cost of living place. Um, actually lower than some, wow, 5,000 bucks. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not bad. I mean, it's actually lower than, um, uh, some, some other countries. So, I mean, it, it is really inexpensive to, to live here. Our taxes are relatively low compared to most of the country. Um, but our typically incomes don't, don't match up. But the point is, is 
there's a lot of cash flow here. So I'm able to, without a lot of effort, buy properties that cash flow and then I just stack those up together and then I uh, comfortably have free cash flow from those properties to cover my my living expenses. And then I do a lot of other kind of, I'm still marketing for deals and I do some flips and I do some wholesales and other um, note type investments where I will lend money out of my IRA or people will lend to me out of their IRA to do deal structuring. So we do a lot of creative deal structuring that way. And with those things put together, I'm able to have a comfortable lifestyle and easily cover that $5,000 a month. That's, that's awesome. And, and I'm assuming you'd be able to hit that pretty, pretty quickly with 20 properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I assume, but I, you know, I, don't, I don't know, but that's uh, it's, it's an, it's an incredible to get to that point. I'm sure you had that incredible feeling um, of, wow, I've, I, I've got to that point because that's, that's sort of a real big pat on the back because now you're at a point in life where you're like, well, hang on, I've just replaced my income. What's next? So for you, how are you seeing your business? You've got it to this point. You, 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 let's call it three or four years in. You're, you're one year in at full time. You've got to that quote unquote magic number. Now the rest is gravy, right? right. Like you're just, you, you know, so, so what's, you've taken the financial piece off the table. Mm-hmm. What's next for you now? Like how, what, what do you see for you to help build your business to, are you, are you wanting it to be, you know, a hundred million dollars worth of real estate in your portfolio. Like what, what is that number? If, sure. What is the goal? I should say. Sure. So I, I, when I first started off, I wanted to be a real estate tycoon. I just want to have this empire. And then I realized that that takes a lot of work and, and, and it does. And more importantly, time. And I don't want to ever buy myself another job where I have to unravel myself from this gnarly mess in order to spend time with my children. My children, my, my children are, are 11 and eight now. And I'm really enjoying that they, when I, when they come home from school, I'm here. And when they come home from school, I hang out with them and we have our family time together. And that's really valuable to me. Uh, so I, I'm setting up my, my business where my one pillar of income is rental properties. And that I manage at probably less than 10 hours a month to take care of those properties. Uh, but then, so I get at least a lot of time, you know, your kids are at school and you can only travel so much. So what else are you going to do? Well, I've had people come to me and ask me, so, you know, how did you do what you did? And I would tell them and show them a little piece of information and they would say, I've got to pay you for that. That just changed my life. And they would actually write a check and put it on the, on, on the, the table. And, and if you're not going to cash it, then it's up to you, but I'm, I'm leaving. He's saying, oh, no, you don't need to do that. And when people start paying you for something you just said, you're, you're onto something. And, and, and it turns out I very much enjoy that aspect of consulting and coaching other people. And so I have since launched a consulting business where I help other people transition out of working a traditional day job using real estate. And I have a, a course that I've launched and then I have a mastermind that I run as well. And then I have one-on-one coaching. So I spend probably the preponderance of my time learning how to be a marketer and a salesperson on that side of the business uh, versus actually running real estate. And I have found that I, I am not in love with real estate as in that that is my zone of genius. It's my zone of excellence. I'm good at that. But I'm great at learning information, distilling it down to so what something what someone can actually use and then showing somebody else how to do it. That's where I come alive. That's where I am most fulfilled. And so that's what I find myself doing. And real estate just happens to be my niche or my expertise. That's, that's awesome. And it's something that you've probably grown into, right? Because it's something that we're not all just innately have these capabilities. Mm-hmm. But once you start seeing the look on people's faces and wow, 
you know, you've just inspired someone to be like, that's incredible. Here's money. You know, <laughs> like that, that, that feeling you can't buy. And, and I know exactly what you mean because I, I'm similar boat. And, and I have gone down the path of, I know I could do more with the, the consulting and the mentorships and all that sort of stuff. But I, I have gone down the path of growing that portfolio. But, you know, maybe more of an empire. But um, there, will come a point, there will come a point where there's not going to be, um, you need, I always look at it as like a table, right? Like buying properties is one leg of the table. Yep. Um, consulting or mentorship or whatever is another leg of the table. Um, getting to a point where you're scaling so much, where you may have property management fees coming in, that's another leg of the table. Um, I've got, a, I'm, you know, building out a, a sourcing company from China because I've got so much scale now that I'm just like, I can buy flooring. So maybe I can on-sell that. You know, it's, there's just different things that you can do once you hit scale. And, and it's personally for me, and I don't know how you feel about this, but when you build a business ecosystem where it's all running off one another, yes. back to the engineering, like it's all cogs, yep. right? It's not just one cog. That's where true wealth is created, in Multi- my mind. Multiple that, streams that, that of is, income. Yep. Exactly, exactly. And that reduces risk uh, across the board because, okay, maybe we hit a recession. You can't buy anymore. More than likely, real estate investors are going to buy even more in the real estate sure. recession. But you know, from, from a higher level point of view, there may be lenders might not be lending or whatever it might be. But having other forms of income is, is really the goal of being an entrepreneur, right? And it's not just, okay, all my money's coming from one leg. It's, you know, back, you know, back to that flat line I was talking about. You have multiple lines going across the screen, right? And it's mm-hmm. not, it's, it's different because if one goes away, you still got like three or four of them going across the screen. It still keeps the, 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 the bus moving. So uh, do you have any thoughts on, on ecosystems like that? Oh, I, I love the idea. And, you know, you can go vertical, you can go horizontal and, and they're both work and they both have pros and cons. The, I love some being, having businesses like what you're talking about, where I've considered, you know, what would it be like if I were to start a property management company? Because you get to a certain scale, then you do the property management. And then after you do it, then you do at some point you have your own repair squad and you know you're, they're taking care of things and then you have and then you can outsource that those if they have idle time you can have a, a construction uh, business so there's a lot of opportunities once you master one vertical then you start seeing opportunities in others and i, I like this idea of having several this the table example or, or like a pillars you have seven uh, uh, my idea is like to have seven pillars of of income but for, for me it's less in the specific service industries, but more in the intellectual property industries. So for me, it might be courses and for it might be something like a mastermind, but for if you're actually in the trades, then that might be you stand up a a sourcing company for your, your flooring because you're buying so much flooring, you might as well, right? I mean, you buy it at, you buy it at, 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 at scale and why not turn around and make that? Well, actually, have you ever heard, you've heard of um, Kingsford Charcoal, right? Uh, Kingsford charcoal in the U.S. is a is like the standard charcoal that that the brand that we all buy. Well, okay. King oh, the, oh, ch- charcoal meaning the the, the briquettes, the grill. Well, an example of that is that is from Henry Ford and King that they were manufacturing the Model T from way back when, and they had extra wood left over. Well, if you put wood in a certain in a low oxygen environment, it turns into charcoal. Well, that charcoal can be turned into something you sell to other people. So they're using the the scraps from making cars from way back when, and they got together and made this brand called Kingsford, which we in the U.S. And if you're around, you're if you go to the grocery store and look for uh, charcoal briquettes, that is like the default brand. 
it's still around. Yeah. Is, 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 is that the white one? The white with the, the blue, blue at the bottom. Yep. 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 I know. I know exactly what because it's the only one you can buy, right? Yeah. <laughs> the market. The market's quite quite small, I guess. Um, but you just bring up a really awesome point that I wanted to, to dive into a little bit is is intellectual property. Uh, given that you know real estate is a tangible thing, it's brick and mortar, and it's it's what you build a business off. Mm-hmm. But but also investing in digital assets like your mentorship program or like your um, um, online courses mm-hmm. that is evergreen, right? And that can have some sort of impact on your business. And I want to talk talk a little bit specifically about that because you know obviously real estate's and we can talk a little bit the how to but this podcast is a little bit more advanced than that people understand the how to um it's now about more about scaling and building a true wealth creating business and right. digital assets and, and part of what i had to learn when i first moved to the united states was creating this podcast like i didn't know about a podcast i'm an engineer for crying out loud like uh, i didn't know about books i didn't know about you know being a thought leader like what the hell was all that mm-hmm. have you started to experience that i know with your podcast and your digital assets how that's starting to create a key person of influence in your sphere. Absolutely, and and it's at first it was an accident, but now it's very much intentional. And for to, for it to really scale, you have to do it purposely. But I, I always do it with this attitude of, of service, and because I remember when I came up through the ranks trying to learn, like the difficulty I had finding somebody who I resonated with and somebody who was helping me teach me what I need to know then. And so that's what I, what, what I am thinking about creating digital. When someone asks me a question, if I cannot respond back with either a podcast episode or a blog article or a module in my course or an ebook that I've written, then I've missed the boat because if someone, if one person asks it, more than likely there's going to be a thousand, maybe 10,000 other people who are asking the same question sooner or later. So I want to get the answer to those people um, when they ask those questions at the right time. And so it's always about taking what I've learned and distilling it into something that is consumable, that's, that is very much follows this idea of infotainment because you don't want to just lecture at people. You want to give them a reason to care about it. And they have a question. And if you educate, if you entertain them a little bit and educate them, then there's just so much power. I think the, the growth potential for that is huge. And you think that there might be too many people out there like that, but I don't think there, there is at all because people resonate and want to hear the answer from certain personalities. They, they want to hear as much from you as the content itself. They want both. They definitely want the content, but they don't want the content just because probably every answer can be answered on Google. If you just, if you go out there long enough, you go Google YouTube, you'll find it, but you also want, some resonance with the person. And then even if you have it sooner or later, you're going to say, well, can you help me do that? Because, okay, I understand it, but I can't do it all. I mean, I want to hire you to do something. And that naturally transitions into, oh, well, let's do a mastermind or how about let's do some sort of done for you service where you start up some sort of digital service. And for me, I I just do affiliates, whatever I use, the the products that, that I swear by, and people come to me and I just say, well, this is a product that I recommend. Some of them have affiliates, some don't, but the ones that do have affiliates, that's residual income for me. Right, right. No, but you, you bring up this point of building a brand because that's what you're essentially doing. Mm-hmm. Right? You're building up your thought leadership prowess because you have a presence. So talk to me about then what is, and you may not know the answer to this, but what is essentially your mission statement around your intellectual property mm-hmm. that people would be attracted to? Because 
they're attracted to the story, right? I've sure. got a story. I moved, I moved half across the world yep. to, to achieve financial freedom, right? That's I've got this weird accent. Mm-hmm. What is your story, and what's your and, and then how does that transform into your mission statement to helping others? Sure, my my mission statement is very clear: is I am empowering busy professionals to transition out of exchanging their time for money so they can invest in their future and create a life of their design with passive income. It's always about me teaching people how to invest. You know, if it, in its simplest terms is empowering more people to invest. We, nobody is taught how to invest or to manage money in, in school. It's, we're taught all kinds of stuff. And some of us engineers just kind of naturally take to it. I'm certainly accountants and stuff, but personal finance is not taught. And there's so many angles of bad money management that we can improve in our, in our country and really worldwide. I just happen to know people who in in the U S but that's what I resonate with is, uh, is smart, educated people that have working busy professionals have working jobs. They're working like crazy and they are never going to get out unless they learn how to invest. And, and I'm not even, it doesn't even have to be real estate. I don't, I don't care. Invest in something. There are lots of good things to invest in. Invest in something so that you are making money while you sleep. You have to get there. The sooner the better. Right. 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 No, I, I love that. And, and, and it's, it's, I love that you've got crystal clear on that, that mission statement because some people, you know, when you're building a business and, and, a, and a large, as you start to scale and we have all these ecosystems and pillars and all we're talking about, it's all this juju stuff, right? But if you don't have something to lean back on, that is your mission statement and your underlying story, people are not going to resonate with you and you're just going to be another sheep in the crowd. So I guess my point is to to you, and it sounds like you've nailed it on the head, is just like you're attracting people through your mission statement, through your story. For everyone listening out there, it's so important if you're starting to become a thought leader um, or want to in order to help grow your business. Because the reason we do this, right, Paul, is you're doing it in order to help grow the business. And that's really, really important because you're the thought leader, you're at the epicenter and people want to come and touch and feel and learn from you, correct? That's right. That's right. You nailed it. Yep. Mate, um, some of your interview topics here, love the one thing that, that 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 I saw here. Why is finding a tribe of like-minded people so important to setting yourself up for greater success? And, and this goes again back to mission state because I'm asking this question, you know, with a bit of a tongue-in-cheek because we, we sort of just answered it, but I wanted to hear your, your why, why is it so important to you? Uh, the, the success in life or, you know, what you accomplish in life is a direct correlation to the expectations of your peer group. So if you are not growing and improving your peer group, then you'll find yourself just kind of settling back to the, the um, status of those that are around you. And that happens very much when you're in the corporate world, you look around and you have some people that you like, you respect, but they're all working like crazy, like you are. And you think, well, this is normal. This must be okay. But then when you find yourself around entrepreneurs or investors or small business owners, you realize, oh, there's a whole other world out there of possibilities. And when you're around people like that who are become their own thought leaders in their industries, it expands your mindset and you kind of break through these kind of upper limit problems that we are thresholds that we set for ourselves. And that's why it's so important to be around other people. I, I work hard to go and find groups of people where I feel like I'm the dumbest person in that group because (laughs) that's where I'm going to get, you know, that's where I'm going to learn something new and different. And the, the more you seek out 
rooms like that where something's happening there that you don't quite understand, but if you just spend a little more time, you could, is a place you want to be. You don't always want to be the, the guru in the room. That certainly has its place and it's in it. You want to give back. And I, I have this philosophy of, of the rule of thirds. I like to spend a third of my time with people who are air quote, uh, less experienced than me. And a third of the percent of the people with that are of similar mind and similar stage. And then a third of my time around people who are well above my, my experience level. So I'm, I'm always getting the best of each of those thirds of people. And I find that to be just a, a good, I don't, I don't go out and measure it, obviously, but that's just kind of the mindset that I have of being around other people. And, and are you doing that? Uh, I think that's a great, a third, a third, and a third. I think it's a really great philosophy, particularly as you're building a business, a scalable business, something to think about. And for everyone listening out there, note, take that down because that was really, really awesome advice. The, um, the, the, the upper third and the middle third, are you doing stuff with other business owners that are outside of real estate? I am. I'm a part of... Um, a group of people who are becoming better speakers. And so I am um, associated with that group where I'm trying to improve my, my, my business acumen and stage presence on how to serve an audience and how to, how to uh, effectively communicate. Definitely always trying to improve there. And I'm also um, definitely a, a member of, of paid services where I am learning how to become a better online marketer because despite being a computer engineer, I missed most of the big trends. Like I, I, I was actually quite late on figuring out what podcasts really were and how they worked. And I, I, I still don't know if I really, um, follow social media and, and engage with it the way most people do. So I'm, I'm late on the, uh, I don't know, the ad adoption of a lot of these technologies. And I don't want to be that guy who's always behind, um, behind the trends. It would be much better served to look forward and try and anticipate the trends and move towards it. And so I'm around other people who have proven to me that, that they have picked up on that. And for me, part of that is, is doing a podcast and, and being part of um, other online groups that are talking about what's happening next in, in, in the digital domain, because that's where we all, we all know it's going there, but what there's going to be some sort of a curveball. There's going to be some, some change, some, some uh, development that I, I don't yet see. And I, and I want to see it when it happens. <laughs> that, uh, sorry, that, that is, that, that is incredible because I think um, you have to surround yourself with other people who are not also not, not just always in your business because it gets a little bit insular you need to go out and push the boundaries and personally for me like i don't listen to any real estate podcasts anymore i haven't i haven't done so in probably over over 18 months um i do a real estate podcast i, I do this podcast is, is now starting to niche and pivot into more business general you know mm. related stuff because it's you, at 150 episodes you can only talk about so much real estate right yep. but at that point you're I need to be, you know, I need to be spending more time with those big thought leaders in order to, how do I take my vision to the next level? And I think one thing I've taken from this conversation today is that you've created your financial freedom through real estate, but now you've started to realize the possibilities of thought leadership, influencing other people's lives, changing people's lives for the better. And that has become a bigger mission than just real estate. For right? sure. And, and I think, and I think that's, it's one, it's bloody awesome, <laughs> but two, you're, you're becoming more 
mature in your entrepreneurial journey, I think, and just, just from an outsider looking in, but I think that's it's, it's incredible and, and kudos to you. Thank so, you. Thank yeah. you. Mate, um, what, I want to ask you, what three investments can you make this month uh, or some, can people listening to the show make this month in order to set them up for future wealth? Well, it's funny. Uh, this will be a good summary because we've um, covered this, I would say, over the, the span of the arc of this conversation, but I'll summarize it for everybody. One is that you have to invest in yourself. That's where it starts. You have to invest in the intellectual capital, whether it be listening to podcasts, which you're already doing, reading books, information in will turn into something better coming out sooner or later. And then invest in your network. And so we just, just discussed that, but it's all about being surrounding yourself with like-minded people that will that are rooting for your success as much as you are rooting for theirs. That's the big key right there. And then the third is invest in assets, which that's what we're doing when we're investing in real estate, whether I don't care if it's stocks, buying our businesses, starting businesses, um, writing books, you're, you're investing in assets and that's what you need to do for everybody involved. You hear the kids in the background. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that's all right. Dad, dad's, dad's taking too long on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, mate, no, I think that's an incredible, incredible summary. Um, I would love to keep to keep talking with you. I know your time is precious. So I, I do ask everyone to give me the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? I'm ready for it. What is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Well, for me, it is... Um, getting up at the same time and doing a little morning routine. And uh, I would say I have about three or five things that I do and, and I have five things I do. And if I get any three of them done, I would consider that day probably good, but it's taking a, a time to meditate or just have quiet moments. And then I, I write and I journal and I plan out my day from that, you know, I, the whole day I think about and what, and I always ask myself, what is it that I, what are the three, I don't have a to-do list anymore. I have a must list and I, and I, I call them my big rocks. And so I think what, what are the three things that I must do today? And these are not things in your calendar that you've already set yourself up for, but this is something that you want to accomplish and whatever that be. And I write those down and that's all I focus on. And there will be a ton of other things that have that come at me that I have to do along the way. But those are the, the tyranny of the urgent items. Those are not my three tasks that I must get done that day. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's it's incredible. Have you always been a meditator and a journaler? No, no. I have actually had to work at that because I would not say that's my default action. I, I'm actually normally a pretty even kill guy. And so I, I probably don't. Um, I, my own thoughts just probably kind of function as a bit of a, a meditation, but I have definitely found that just taking some quiet moments some very directed quiet moments in the, in the early morning uh, when I get up, uh, when I'm the only one up or I'm in, in my office where everybody else is normally, I can't hear them. And, and I just stop and think for a while and I actually put my phone on to airplane mode and I turn off the, or I keep the computer off and I was like, I plan out, kind of offline what I'm going to do and I won't take any input in for a while. And I, I, I need the point now to where I probably don't even look at my phone until nine or 10 o'clock in the morning because I want to look at and drive my activity versus social media in the world driving my activity. That's awesome. I think that's great. I, 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 it's, it's incredible to have those quiet moments and meditation is something for myself as well. It's a learned skill. And, and again, another podcast I could talk to you for hours about it, yeah. why the importance of it, but <laughs> I know your time is precious. Um, 
Who is the most influential person in your career today? The most inf influential person in my career today is it, 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 it's, it's my wife. And it's because she makes it possible. And, and she, uh, and we are life partners, business partners, but she has nothing to do with the business, but she is definitely my anchor. She is uh, my purpose. And uh, I bounce nearly every idea I have off of her and she is not in a place to probably meaningfully respond to um, and help me give, give me advice, but being able to say my ideas out loud and have somebody supportive who just says, yeah, okay, that, that, that sounds good. Um, or I mean, rarely does she say, Oh, some, some critical feedback that changes my advice. But what it does is it allows me to be my, she's my sounding board and, and we have a division of labor in our life and we live very happily. And because of her, I'm able to focus and be the person that I want to be. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, I think it's, 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 it's inspiring to have someone in your life that like that and, and just to have a sounding board. And I think as entrepreneurs, you need that, right? You need that rock. You need that anchor mm -hmm. in order to help you do what you do best, which is create businesses. <laughs> That's right. So, mate, in all, your in all your businesses and stuff that you're creating, what is the most influential tool in your business, whether it be software or hardware related? The most influential tool that I am using to date, um, it, it probably isn't a big development, but it's, um, is social media. And I'll, I'll start, I'll start with Facebook. Um, and there's nothing special about Facebook versus, um, social media or Instagram or any of the other ones, but, but uh, allow me to make my point here. Um, instead of becoming a consumer of social media, think about what, if you were a producer of social media on those platforms and how that would influence your, your life. Most people are consumers as entrepreneurs we are now producers and when you think about being a producer of content and material and what social media facebook as an example does for you that is truly revolutionary so if you want to be a thought leader if you want to be a business owner think about learn how to share your message and, and they're, they're nuanced in Instagram, you do it one way. In Facebook, you do it another. On YouTube, you do it another. And so I, I would say, I'll modify this to say, um, YouTube is, and I don't even have a YouTube channel that, that does anything yet, but YouTube is the um, most revolutionary uh, development that, that has happened in my life because I anything I wanna learn, I go to YouTube first. I, I now go to YouTube before I go to Google. And because I don't know why I just, I, I consume video better and faster than I do by going through the searches and I'm able to get more narrowed answers for some reason on YouTube. And so using Facebook, social media, Google, whichever you want to call it, um, is it being able to harness all of that is probably the, the key to separating somebody who just kind of wants to be, uh, uh, entrepreneur versus somebody who is successful. Love it. I absolutely love it. I think that's, you're correct. It's been a, so many game changes in, in, in my life, in our lifetime and, and because growing up as kids and not having cell phones and now all of a sudden there's a computer in my pocket. It's crazy. That's right. Um, so yeah. Uh, mate, what, in one sentence or one word, what is, how do you, what, what failure have you had in your career and what did you learn from that failure? Oh, failure. 
uh, in one word was well, one sentence, you know, like sentence. what was that was not investing uh, was the failure to, it took me 15 years to start. You, you, so here I would say is failure to launch. You have to launch, you have to launch, get out there and do it. If, if you're not ready, do it anyway. <laughs> it's like, it's like reading about going to the gym and losing weight. You're never going to actually lose weight by reading about it. Right. Go you got to go. So, um, Launch. You gotta go. You gotta go, mate. Uh, where can people reach you if they want to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. They want to touch and feel you. Where do they go? Sure thing. So I have my website is at Paul David Thompson. That's T H O M P S O N dot com. And I actually have a, a special um, link here for your audience. Uh, Reed Goosens at R E E D G O S S E N S. Two O's, but we'll, we'll change Did that. I misspell it? G O S S S E N S. Yep, I got it. Perfect. They're waiting for you. Perfect. All right, mate. And that's and if people do, if they're ever in Arkansas or they want to just like reach out you to directly, uh, is there an email or sure. a phone number they can sure. call? Sure. Yeah, they can um, contact me at paul at pauldavidthompson.com. Have any questions or if you're in the area, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a pint. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. Some of the top things that I took away, I've obviously, I always write my, my list down here if you can see me on the video. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest one is obviously, you know, the, the three big things that you talk about, invest in yourself, um, invest in your wealth and invest in assets was, was obviously a big takeaway. But something that, and then the third thing, you know, the life by design is clearly something that drives you and is really, really important. Um, but one thing that I took away, uh, you know, under all that surface and um, what I can notice just by talking to you for the last hour or so is that you're not afraid uh, to admit that you don't know something. And I think that's hugely important as in a, an entrepreneur building a business because you, you know you said you, you may not be you may be late to social media, but you're going to go out and learn it. And not being afraid and being humble enough and have your boot you know your feet on the ground enough to say. I don't know, but that's okay. I'm going to go out and figure it out. And, and it goes back to that, the third, a third, and a third, you know, being, spending time in that top third where you're around people where you're not the smartest person in the room. And, and I think as entrepreneurs, we always got to continue to push ourselves. Otherwise, we get to, um, it becomes too mundane, not mundane, but it becomes too rudimentary. And we've got, to, we've got to be able to push ourselves more and be always willing to push ourselves. And I think that was one thing that I, I definitely noticed from you as, as, a, as a person. So, um, so, so awesome stuff. But did, did I miss anything there? You got it. Thank you so much. Mate, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Well, there you have it. An incredible uh, episode jam back with some cracking advice. Please do jump on Paul Paul's website to check out all the things that he's got to offer, all the digital assets. Uh, his podcast is up and running on iTunes, so please check that out. Uh, I want to thank you again for taking some time out of your day to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're going to do this all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.